Hey, you awesome nerds! Welcome back to Pitch Lapped, the Pitch Perfect podcast. My name is Kaylee Hillier, and on this podcast, we just like to cover everything to do with Pitch Perfect. It could be about the movies, it could be about the fan fiction, it could be about the creators, the people that just keep this fandom alive. I love every bit of it. It's fantastic. And today I'm super excited as I had the opportunity to speak to the fan fiction writer Suit Up about her work. We really like dove into all the different types of things that she's been doing. We've also got some fan fiction highlights for you. And of course, some great actor news, which we're going to delve into first. Let's give ourselves a G sharp. Well, actor news this week. Where do I start? There's really only one place to start, which is Anna Kendrick. We were blessed this week with not only the release date of her new movie, Stowaway, which is coming out on the 22nd of April. But then a few days later, we were then further blessed with the trailer of Stowaway. We finally have a trailer. I'm so excited. It just felt like one of those moments when... It's like an average day and then suddenly just an awesome thing happens and it just elevates the rest of your day. I just felt so excited. And then, of course, everybody online just getting excited about it, sharing the trailer, just like getting out there. It was awesome. I loved it. And I must admit, hopefully you've seen the trailer by now. I don't want to give too much away if you haven't, but it's very moody and gets me a little bit worried. I am slightly concerned for Anna Kendrick's life in this movie. Just putting it out there, just gonna say, I'm really hoping she doesn't die. (laughs) Anna Kendrick will be playing Zoe Levinson as the team's medical researcher on a spaceship headed to Mars on a two-year mission. This is known as a galactic sci-fi thriller. So watch this space. We don't even have that much longer to wait. It's 22nd of April. It's like less than a month. Stowaway will be coming out. Most countries it's going to be in Netflix where it's authorised. So hopefully the fingers crossed you'll get it in your country. I know that there are some other countries like Germany which are doing a theatre release as well. So watch this space. In further Anna Kendrick news... If you are lucky enough to be in the US, to celebrate the 10th anniversary of Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, they are releasing a very, very special version of the movie coming out back in theatres on the 30th of April in selected cinemas in the US. It's all been specially updated to really give you the best current cinematic experience. And I must say, Scott Pilgrim, I saw it when it first came out in the cinema back 10 years ago and that was awesome so if you haven't seen it in theatres it is a good experience I'm slightly jealous in other news Chrissy Fit has been sharing on her social media that she is now filming in Hawaii and it turns out the reason she's filming in Hawaii is for Amazon Studios version of I Know What You Did Last Summer this is going to be a modern take on the 1997 horror film And this will actually be a series that takes the same premise as the movie. In a town full of secrets, a group of teenagers are stalked by a mysterious killer a year after a fatal accident on graduation night. 
Now, I, I don't want to say anything, but there does seem to be a common thread happening with a lot of the Pitch Perfect cast lately. We have got Brittany Snow doing a horror movie in New Zealand. Hannah Maley and Alexis Knapp in Phobias, this sort of horror movie that's just come out, really dark. Chrissy Fitt doing I Know What You Did Last Summer. And then Anna Kendrick potentially dying in space in a sci-fi thriller. I feel like we've entered this sort of dark era of the Pitch Perfect cast. They're all going pretty dark at the moment. All of these like horror thriller-esque projects. What is going on? They're slightly worried. I don't do horror, people. I'm terrified. I'm going to have to like watch these movies and just be uh, scarred. Anyway, in other news, Hayley Steinfeld has been teasing us with some shots of her getting ready for Dickinson Season 3. It's coming, people. She has proven to us that it is coming. I'm excited. I've only just kind of got down of the high of the last season. Now we're getting ready for Season 3. I just can't wait. And finally, Ben Platt has been teasing us with some music for quite a while on his Instagram he was answering a few questions the other day on his Instagram stories from fans. One of them asking him when new music was going to be coming out. And he says that new music will be coming out this spring. And considering the fact that we are in March, slightly excited that it's going to be coming soon. So I'm watching Ben Platt. Can't wait for new music. That's like a whole plethora of actor news. I've got some fan fiction highlights for you coming a little bit later on where we've got a strawberry fic with a uh, Stacey Conrad who is a little bit of a speedster and a fic where Becca is secretly good at baking. But of course, before we get there, we have got my chat with Suit Up. Let's do it. So there are so many fics I could talk about with this specific author. I mean, we've got things like a famous Becker and a photographer, Chloe. There's a fireman AU, Lord of the Rings AUs, even delving into some sort of more serious topics with a homeless Becker, Becker and Chloe having a deaf daughter. How on earth they come up with all of the varied things that they talk about? And even right now, we've got one with Chloe being a stripper so I'm very, very excited today to speak to Suit Up. Hello. Hi there. How are you? Is everything good? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm <laughs> so excited. Thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. So for those who maybe don't know that much about you and your work, maybe you could just give us a little introduction. Um, yeah, sure. So as you say, I uh, write a lot of AUs. That's most of my fix are AUs. Yeah, I started writing about three years ago, like a long time after I watched the Pitch Perfect movies, actually. I was in another fandom before that, Glee, and I just have trouble being in two dis different fandoms at the same time. So like after I started losing interest in Glee, I started to read Pitch Perfect fanfiction. And that's just how it started. That's so fascinating, especially that you were like, just from reading the, the Pitch Perfect fanfiction that you kind of then got into, you know what, I now want to start writing 
in this fandom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I read about, I don't know, about 10 fics and I was like, okay, let's do it. I, <laughs> I hadn't written in a while. Um, so my main ship in Glee was Faberi, so Rachel and Quinn. And I just lost interest about a year before I started with Pitch Perfect. So I was kind of missing writing. And it had been a while since I was so fascinated by a pairing. So I just dove right into it. And it was Bacloe. Bacloe yeah. just like caught yeah. your imagination. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and for those who don't know, you're based in France. I am. Yeah, in uh, Brittany, which is the northwest. Basically, it has the same weather as England. Uh, mm. We get everything you guys do. So if it rains, <laughs> I feel sorry UK, for you. it's going to rain on us <laughs> too. <laughs> so is it difficult writing in a different language than your like main language? Um, well, weirdly enough, it comes kind of natural to me, not to sound arrogant or anything. I just, so I started reading fic when I was about 14 and they were all in English. So like when I started to want to write, it just was natural to write in English as well. So I never went through the French like that. I directly started writing in English because that's what I had read so far. So yeah, it just felt more logical to write in English when I decided to give it a try. And my first ones probably had a lot of mistakes because you know I got better at the language the more I wrote. But yeah, I do second guess my sentences a lot. I always have a dictionary open in a tab. And sometimes I double check by pasting the word to Google Images to make sure it's the same object like I'm thinking of in French uh. <laughs> and in English because we have false friends. And then sometimes the, the thing that bugs me the most is sometimes I can find a word in either language. So I'll just message a friend and say, you know, what's the thing that you use to mix ingredients with? Because I'm having a blank in both languages. And if I have a doubt about the meaning of a word being different in English, I always try to ask a native speaker. Um, so I have a few friends that I often send messages to regarding that because I once looked for the translation of a synonym of idiot in French and my dictionary offered the word retard. And I didn't know it was a slur. So I used it in the fic and I got negative comments for it. Um. Uh, Obviously, I, like, I would have never knowingly used a slur in my writing, but it was a different meaning in both languages. So, you know, since then, I really try to make sure, you know, it doesn't mean anything bad in English. It's fascinating that because you were sort of used to reading in English, that you just started writing in English and that's kind of how the process went for you. And then obviously the work that has to go in to just check words and phrases and just little things along the way to just kind of bring it all together. And I'm always learning. Like when I read other fics, I always have a small notebook because there's always words I don't know. So, you know, and it's still a process, a, lear a continuous learning process, which is cool. I love that. That's great. <laughs> So just imagine like suit up could be reading your fic with a little notebook and uh, <laughs> exactly. find a word. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I actually spend more time like using English in my daily life because I write a lot. So when I speak French with other people in my life, like my parents or the people I work with, I often find words in English first. So I'm just like, sometimes I, I have a blank because I can't find the French word. 
So my mom is an English teacher. So I usually tell her, oh, how do you say this in French? And then she'll <laughs> tell me and then I can use it in a sentence. Anyway, it's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it's kind of weird, like how the brain works. I'm actually fascinated by that, like how people are able to switch from one language to another so easily and just to be programmed into one language for a certain amount of time and then switch back to another one. And I only speak like three languages. I don't know how people who speak like six or seven do do it. I just, yeah. So what's the third? Uh, Spanish. Spanish. Okay. I, I haven't been to a Spanish speaking country in a while. So if you don't practice, you just, it just goes away <laughs> little by little. So yeah. I can't even do English very well. So like, I, I am terrible. Like every, I feel like every English native speakers says that at some point. And I'm like, <laughs> what? No, that's not true. <laughs> so let's delve into like Pitch Perfect then. Yep. When did you first kind of get into the movies? So I think it was 2014. So the first one came out in 2012 and it wasn't as big in France. So I didn't hear of it right away. So I was doing a degree at the university and we had a class with this uh, American lecturer and she made us listen to the ICCA's performance. And our exercise was to guess how many songs there were. I can't even remember. I think it was seven or eight. I don't know. And then I think she showed us the trailer. And I don't know, I was, I was really interested. So when I got home, I watched so the first movie. And I remember being hooked on Kendrick's No Diggity during the reef off that was the moment like i was like okay this is really good yeah i must have watched the other two when they came out so in 2015 i lived in england so i watched it there and then i don't know if i watched the third one in the cinema i don't think so i must have waited until it was available elsewhere i yeah. love the fact that like it was like a, a lecturer showed you a bit and that was like I need to see this <laughs> yeah exactly I mean I don't know when I would have watched it otherwise because I had never heard of it so I could have just spent my the rest you know those last I don't know how many years seven years just not knowing of Pitch Perfect so I should <laughs> I should send her a message to thank her actually <laughs> I don't remember her name but it was really nice of her I want to go to that lecture that would have been a great lecture to go to <laughs> <laughs> So what was it that like hooked you into the movies? Was it, it was literally like Kendrick singing No Diggity? Well, I mean, it was part of it. I just really liked the reef off scene, definitely. I mean, of course, the chemistry between the Chloe, because it's pretty blatant. Like, even in the first 30 minutes, the starting with the activities fair and, oh, what about her? Do you want to make our dreams a, a reality? And then the shower scene, I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm always curious about what the directions were when shooting those scenes, like how many eye contact was actually directed by, you know, the director and how much was Kendrick and Snow. Because Becca actually checks Chloe out on that scene. I've watched it like a million times. So that shower scene and then the scene at the hood night when Chloe just grabs onto Becca and I'm, I remember thinking they're going to kiss when she just grabs her onto her forearms and just says, I think we're going to be really fast friends. And then Becca looks down at her lips. And I was like, they're going to kiss. It's obvious, but they didn't. They got so, so close. So close. <laughs> so close, yeah. So yeah, and just the whole 
movie dynamic was great with the humor, the songs were great, and just like the Bellas as a group. So from Pitch Perfect, then, who's your favorite character? Uh, definitely Chloe. Chloe. Which is weird because like, I don't relate to her at all, as in I'm not this bubbly, always in the good mood person. I'm more of a Becca myself, I think. But I don't know, there's something that I find compelling about Chloe. She's just so genuine, loyal, and she really cares about people and would move mountains uh, for the ones she loves and probably kill for them too. Like, you know, the meme with the cinnamon roll chart? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's definitely the one that looks like a cinnamon roll, but could actually kill you (laughs) if you mess with the people she cares about, you know? Yeah, and she also has that fire and passion, but with a huge dorky side that I find really endearing. Yeah, I love her boldness too. I think that while she's all sunny and bubbly on the outside, there are many insecurities laying beneath the surface. She's someone who wears her heart on her sleeve. And I think she must have had it broken in the past because she just goes all in if she loves someone and her amount of love and dedication isn't always matched. So yeah, she's an interesting character to write because of that. I kind of wish that her character had known more of a development in the movies instead of being limited to the whole failing Russian lit three times and being obsessed with this a cappella group. And I wasn't a fan of the third movie, mainly because Chloe didn't happen. But also, I think they did her dirty in the third one. Between the dumb lines like, 1800 hours, is that later in the night? And then just making her her whole arc about falling for Army Boy. I thought she deserved better than that, honestly. So, yeah, but she's definitely my favorite. I think that's one thing that I like about Chloe as much as I'd love to be like Becca Mitchell, um, <laughs> the whole idea that you would have like a friend who was anything like Chloe Beale and be that sort of like, that's the type of like best friend you want. I know, is exactly. <laughs> and just imagine being loved by someone like Chloe Beale. Like Becca Mitchell in the fan fiction is very lucky. Definitely, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's fascinating with Chloe as well, because like you said, because she kind of eludes this sort of bubbly persona and, and this sort of sunshine that yeah. kind of comes across, but then you can play around with maybe a dark history or mm-hmm. insecurities that she might have and how that would come across in the character that kind of wears their heart on their sleeve and, and tries to always be positive. Yeah, exactly. I just think that, you know, the whole failing Russian lit three times just doesn't really necessarily have to do with like sticking around for the Bellas but more like she doesn't really know what to do with her life I mean of course the group is has been her whole life for the last seven years was it but mostly because life out there probably scares her and she needs those friendships to be fair when I remember leaving uni if I could have stayed in uni for like a few extra years I would have loved to <laughs> been great that's true the real word is pretty scary. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when did you start writing then? So you were writing before the fandom of Pitch Perfect. You're writing in Glee. Yes. That's what, is that where writing started for you? No. So I discovered fan fiction at 14, I think. And then I started writing like six months afterwards. It was the One Tree Hill fandom. Uh, so I'm a Lucas and Peyton fan. I know there's like, there has been fandom wars between 
Lucas and Peyton Shippers and then Brooke and Lucas Shippers. That's like a famous thing. So yeah, I started with Leighton, as we call them, for about, I don't know, three years. And then I got into Glee. I wrote Glee until probably 2016. And then, yeah, Pitch Perfect in 2018, I think. Yep. Is that where you sort of really started to write was for fan fiction? That's kind of where you got into it you weren't writing before that that's kind of like I'm gonna try this and like see how this goes yeah no I didn't write before that I actually didn't read that much either I was never a bookworm when I was little it all started with fan fiction that's amazing that's why it was so natural for me to start writing in English because I honestly I'm not capable of writing in French like it would suck I just don't know how to form sentences because I really never read in French. So I just have no idea of what would look good or sound good. Yeah. That's so crazy. It's kind of weird. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing as well that there are sort of sections where you're more comfortable in English because that's what you you use all the time. And then obviously French is the language you grew up with and like where you use that and like how you can kind of flip between the two when you need to. Yeah, I mean, I don't flip perfectly. Like I said, sometimes when I write for four hours and then I go down to have dinner with my parents, it's, like I said, some words I can't find and I just ask my mom (laughs) for it. So where did the username SuitUp come from? Because I'm fascinated with this name. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Many people are curious, I think. So my username before that was my horse's full name. So basically a horse has a first name and then a surname. And I didn't want people I knew in real life to come across my fanfiction profile if they typed in his names, like to see his results because I competed with him. And when I decided to tell him, I just didn't want people who were interested in buying him to, you know, come across my fanfiction profile. And I was really into How I Met Your Mother back then. And I really liked the Barney Stinson character. He's played by Neil Patrick Harris. And he often says suit up because to him, like, if you want to flirt with someone, you have to wear a suit. Basically, yeah, that's where it came from. And I just, I stuck with it. I don't know why. Uh, And I don't know why I added, added so many U's because every time I'm like, how many years do I have again? It's three, but I always forget. That's amazing. <laughs> Especially the fact that uh, you were inspired by Barney Simpson from How I Met Your Mother. I just love his character. He's the like, he's the straightest, like the most straight character ever. But I don't know. It's just, he's fun. And it's kind of funny to me, like he's the most straight character, but he's played by a gay actor and he plays him so well. I must admit, every time I sort of would see the name suit up, it makes me think of like a superhero and, you know, the whole like oh, yeah? get ready type of thing. I like so that. It kind of <laughs> relates. Yeah. <that's> <laughs> so kind of delving into your fan fiction then, you've done so many different stories, like so many different AUs. Where do you get your inspiration from? A lot of stories come from what I, as a reader, would like to read. So I'm a sucker for hurt and comfort. So I'll often think of scenarios that could include that genre. Other stories, inspiration comes from stories that I've read in the past in different fandoms. 
sometimes some of them stuck with me and sometimes I would go back and read them. And I'm like, this would work for Bucloria, like just the plot, like the general plot, like the trouble and temper fic. So when they meet by crashing their cars, it was actually Pride and Prejudice fan fiction where it started kind of the same. And the two characters, so Mr. Darcy and Elizabeth, would just insult each other. And I was like, okay, I can see that. I can see, well, Becca, obviously, I can see her yelling at a stranger. But I can also see Chloe just giving as good as she got because she has that fire, you know. And yeah, I thought, why not? So other stories are a good source of inspiration. And then also prompts people send me. Some of them are great ideas. Actually, the one with the deaf daughter is uh, a prompt that I was sent. And I was like, yeah, definitely. I can see that. Um, then media, of course. Uh, in 2020, I discovered TikTok. And I spent a lot of time, too much time on it. And you often have those couple pranks. And, you know, with each one, I was like, yeah, I can see Chloe doing that with Becca. So I just started writing down the ones that would fit with their personalities. And then I wrote one. It's called TikTok shenanigans or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then talking to other people. I work as a home caregiver. Like I'm around a lot of elderly people. And yeah, this lady the other time was uh, telling me about her trip to Greece with her husband. I was like, I want to write Bicloe in Greece. So I stopped listening to her. I'm sorry, but I was like, in my brain was just going, yeah, they'll, they'll, they're going to meet on the plane. One of them is going to have like just gone through a breakup. The other one needs a break from work, something like that. And then, yeah. So talking to other people, definitely. And like back when we could still travel, I used to people watch a lot, uh, especially in airports and just imagine becoming various scenarios. And um, whenever I feel like writing Be Chloe with kids, I actually read tweets of tired parents online and imagine Becca in that situation. Works pretty well. I love it. That's great. <laughs> Especially like, I find it fascinating that you could read a story or watch some people or somebody in your life kind of says something and it just, your brain latches on and then starts imagining. Yeah where this could go if it was the Chloe or, or what happens in this scenario just from like people watching and like observing things around you and just kind of running with it. Yeah, exactly. Then again, most of the stories I've published are definitely prompts that people have sent me. And I'm impressed by the imagination that people have. <laughs> most of the things that I've received, I'm just like, yes, this is a great idea. So you're quite welcome to having prompts and like yeah, definitely. people sending you stuff. I have a lot sitting on my in my inbox right now. Well, a lot. I mean, I don't know, maybe 25. And I'll just get to them when I get to them. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't have a priority of when I receive them. It's just like which ones I want to write first because that's how inspiration works. Like people can send you anything. And then oh, yeah, like definitely. if your brain kind of latches onto it and yeah. creates a story, you can kind of run with it. Definitely. I think that's fascinating, like, especially as a, for a writer, having people send you prompts, like you don't know what's going to come through your inbox and just sure. seeing <laughs> what sparks your brain to go, oh my word, I can see this happening. Yeah, it's pretty great. With all of the sort of things coming in, you've obviously got your, your own ideas, and you've got your prompts and especially recently you have been writing quite a lot, like 
I am astonished at like, the amount of stuff you can you can produce. How do you find time to produce all your content? Um, so I only work 30 hours a week. And my job, thankfully, doesn't require too much brain power. Because what I do basically as a home caregiver is clean, iron, and drink coffee with old people. So, you know, when I get home, I'm, my mind is still pretty fresh. So I managed to get about three hours or four hours of writing done every evening. And then that's all I do on the weekends. So I write about 10 hours Saturday and Sunday. It's become more like a need than a hobby. Like I need to write. It's my, like I said before, it's my lifeline. If I don't write, I'm just on edge. It's like a drug <laughs> at this point. <laughs> yeah. And then during the day, I also RP. I don't know if you're familiar with role play writing. A little bit. A little bit. Okay. So it was actually introduced to me by my friend Carter, Rebecca Mitchell on Tumblr that you interviewed not too long ago, I think. Yeah. So yeah, it's basically uh, role play writing. I write for Chloe and she wrote for Becca. And we just like tag each other, like write a little bit. And then it's to the other one to write. We actually published a story. It's called The Bridge. So it's on both our profiles. It's a definitely an interesting writing experience because you can only control one character. So you bounce off whatever the other has written. We actually wrote together for a year and a half and about 60 stories. Whatever AU you want to think of, we've done it. <laughs> and now I'm writing with somebody else. And she's like seven hours ahead of me. So I just write during the day while I'm at work with her and then... That's amazing. It's, that must be quite a different writing challenge as well. Because like you said, you only control one character. So yep. you can't dictate how the other person is going to write the other character. Exactly. Well, we agree on some stuff, you know, in a conversation before. We have a side conversation where we agree, oh, I'd like to write this scene or it would be great if we could bring them to that scenario, etc. But yeah, it's definitely thrilling it's a different dynamic and yeah, to interact with someone else in writing, I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Especially as being speaking to different writers and whether you creatively make the project together or you share your work, being able to bounce what you're doing with other creators is actually really useful and quite inspirational as well. This is what sort of a lot of them sort of seem to tell me, especially in just kind of like, being able to just kind of share your work with people who also create and bounce ideas and things like that. Yeah, definitely. So the bridge, is that is that the one with Becca being like a musician? Yes. So I have two stories. One of them is called Under the Bridge. That's just one of mine. And mm -hmm. then the bridge is uh, the one uh, Rebecca Mitchell and I wrote together. Yeah, it's basically Becca's a musician and they meet at a open mic at a bar and they start dating and a little while after that Becca finds out that she's pregnant so it's kind of like their journey as them being in a new relationship and this baby coming in <laughs> eight months yeah it was a really good like uh, a very a very cool journey uh, and to publish it's different for readers to read obviously because we just balance from Chloe's point of view to Becca's point of view etc so it's different yeah, especially because you both have your own way of writing as well. And that could probably lend itself quite well to the feel of both characters. Yeah, exactly. And we started writing 
in the spring of 2019. I remember thinking, why is she asking me? <laughs> because I loved her stories so much. And I was just very intimidated to write with her because I didn't think my writing matched hers. And then I learned a lot from her, just like vocabulary wise, you know, expressions, all that stuff. It kind of pulled me up. And it was a really interesting experience just for that. It's also really cool how you found writing and it's become quite an outlet for you. Mm -hmm. It seems like you enjoy it so much that you are willing to put that time into it. And it kind of is something that really helps you. Whereas like, I wish I had the discipline sometimes with things that I do that I would like <laughs> actually like work on it when I want to. Yeah, definitely. It's a dedication for sure. Uh, but like I said, I need to write and I write for myself first. And then it's always nice to publish behind it to connect with other people, of course. But yeah, I do it first and foremost because it's my thing. It's really cool that you found something that you really enjoy and that you find yeah. as an outlet that you can do. Yeah, exactly. I had a horse riding before that. So I would ride about six times a week. So when that stopped, obviously I was like, well, <laughs> what should I do with my time now? And then I traveled and since coming back from Canada, so I came back May this year, well, last year, like in the middle of the pandemic, and I had nothing to do with my days. Of course, writing with, was the option, like the first thing that I thought of. Obviously, but Chloe's like your favorite ship. Yes. What is it about that ship that you love writing about? Okay, I'm a real, real sucker for the sunshine and rain clouds kind of thing. The extrovert introvert type of pairing. I just love how their personalities are nothing alike, yet they just work together. There's so much chemistry on screen, which is why I'm so glad fandom exists, because it would be a shame if canon was all that we got. I mean, it would all be wasted potential if it wasn't for fanfics, fan art, gift sets, videos, whatever content can be created about these two. Because like I said, from the start, it's just there. Like all the dialogues and the eye contact and it feels obvious to write about them like their chemistry is just blatant yeah i just love their dynamic and just to think that chloe is the exception to becca's everything basically because becca doesn't like people we can see that she's more of a loner and just likes to keep to herself and I don't know, there's just something about Chloe that makes it different. I mean, I guess we don't see that exactly in the movies. That's also from the fan fictions that I read. But yeah, there's something definitely there. Something about Chloe Beale. Yeah, That's for sure. <laughs> I love that, though. I love the fact that in the movies, the scenes are few and far between, but they're so powerful and they stay with you that... There's so much more chemistry there than you got with, say, Jesse and Becca. For sure. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why they made that decision. I just <laughs> can't see it. Yeah, and I was. Uh, I don't know if you know the pairing, like the real life couple, Rose and Rosie. They're from the UK. You probably know them. No. Okay, they're a lesbian couple that makes YouTube videos, and one of their videos is reacting to lesbian couples in movies or TV shows, and they react to Be Chloe. I think they're watching the videos, I don't know how many reasons, but maybe 50 reasons to ship Be Chloe. So it just like mash up of all their moments together. 
and they're just sold. They watch like two minutes. And then Rose says, I can see it from Chloe because it's just the way Chloe looks at Becca. It's just obvious. Like even already at the activities fair, the way she looks at her and then the bonfire in the second movie when they just like look at each other with that small smile and just misty eyes. There's something there. And then the tent scene, like, have you ever thought of about experimenting? I'm like, come on. <laughs> so even two people who are not, have no idea what the movie is about. They've been shown just snippets of like the Chloe moments and they're sold. Well, a lot of us were sold. Yeah. <laughs> With the pairing then, what themes do you love doing in your fix? Yeah, I I love to write them in an alternate universe the most and make it so that no matter where they are, how they meet or what time period it is, they'll end up together. Yeah, like I said, I think I've written more AUs than I have where they actually know each other. So meet cutes are one of my main themes, definitely. I've also written them as single parents a few times. I just love to add kids. I don't like them in real life, but I like to write <laughs> to make them up um, just because they're either from Chloe or from Becca and that makes it them cute. Since I like angst and hurt and comfort, I often write them with diseases or disabilities like deaf or blind Becca. I've done that. The one where Chloe has leukemia and people have hated me for probably because she dies. I'm not spoiling anything. It's in the tags <laughs> uh, for people who haven't read it. It's Petricor. Or one where Becca has multiple sclerosis. So my goal is obviously not to romanticize handicaps or illnesses. I find it interesting to write how Chloe deals through with those hardships and challenges and how bulletproof their love is. With something like that, where you're dealing with a subject that's more serious, do you find it takes a lot of research to make sure you get it right or you get the tone right? Definitely. Yeah, lots of research. Most of the heavy subjects I've written, I've never dealt with personally. And I'm always nervous that I might offend people that have because I can't relate. So I read a lot of testimonies uh, on Quora and Reddit, for example. I watch YouTube videos of people sharing their struggles to grasp the sort of emotions the characters may feel in a certain situation, basically. That's actually one of my favorite things about writing because I like to learn stuff. That it'd be about being deaf, for example. I really got into learning about the deaf community. I had no idea it was that strong or that big. And it actually made me want to learn ASL. That's kind of the cool fact about the Big Chloe's daughter being born deaf, like that fic. It just made me want to be able to communicate with deaf people. So one of my goals is to learn ASL at some point. That's so cool. <laughs> So the fix called... Uh, we'll build a temple with our hands. That's it, yeah. Yeah. It was actually a prompt that was sent. Oh, I, really? I told you that already. It was a prompt that someone sent me and yeah, I ran with it. I think I started writing it the night that I received the prompt because I was like, this is so interesting to have Becca and Chloe who are so... Like music is basically their life and to have a daughter being born deaf and not being able to share their passion, especially Becca, because that's her job and she's all about music. 
cannot have that bond with her daughter because she can't hear music. That's kind of heartbreaking. So it was really interesting to write the journey uh, while their daughter is growing up, like have them, you know, accept that their daughter has a disability and then work to learn the language uh, to be able to communicate with her. I love that you said that you kind of find that you'll do like a lot of research into a topic that, you know, it, whether it comes from a prompt or from your own idea to make sure that you can do it justice, you really yeah, delve into that really, community. Yeah, that's really important to me. I just want my facts to be right and just to be sensitive, what people might have gone through. And same with the unspoken one, where Becca has autism. We, you talked about that one in a previous podcast, which was yeah. which I loved, by the way. It was really interesting. Yeah, I didn't know much about autism before I started writing the fic. And yeah, it made me more open-minded, definitely, about the whole thing. Yeah, and being able to like take the things that you learn and like you said apply it to these characters and imagine how they would react and how that would play out i really loved when i was reading through the death fic how mm -hmm. a lot of that is from becky and chloe's point of view and you kind of experience or come to learn more about it through their eyes and through their experience with their daughter yeah exactly so with your fix then, because you've got so many different like AUs and stuff, which ones do you know are going to be a multi-chapter? Which ones are going to be a one-shot? Or does that just kind of happen with the story? Yeah, it's mostly the length and the plot a little bit. If the plot includes many arcs, twists, and is basically going to be an emotional roller coaster, I feel like it makes more sense for the story to be a multi-chapter. Whereas a one-shot is going to build towards that the same thing so basically them meeting and then them falling in love and then then being together can be a one shot to me but then if i take the fic where chloe is a stripper and she has an addiction problem be chloe being together is not going to be the main the main point at first because chloe is going to go through rehab and just finding herself again is way too many things to deal with in one shot so I like to have a chapter basically dedicated to, you know, a certain point of the story. You have to be able to commit to a multi-chapter because I feel like it takes a lot of more work than a one-shot just because you have to motivate yourself. Okay, I'm publishing this chapter and then it's good that it, there's not a month before the next one is published because, you know, you want to make them regular so people can you know, stay into the story. With Outlander, I took a break of three months because I just, I didn't have any more inspiration. And that fic was draining to write <laughs> because I'd never written fantasy before and I had no idea how difficult it would be. Oh yeah, so, and that's like a pre-established universe as yes. well. Like, yeah. I watched Lord of the Rings for the first time pretty late on I think it was like three years ago. And yeah, I just kept imagining Chloe as an elf because I thought she would just play that part so well. <laughs> um, just being adorable and gullible. 
Uh, I was going to ask you, like, what was it about Chloe that was like, she needs to be an elf? It's just, (laughs) I can see her being so enamored with nature and animals more than Becca. I actually thought about it. At first, Becca was going to be the badass elf. And then I started writing it. It was way before I published it. I think I started writing it a year before I published this first chapter. So I started writing the opening scene. I was like, something is not right. I just, all I picture is Chloe being an adorable elf and Becca being sarcastic and confused and just like talking with the real words, like expressions and stuff into this magical word, expressions that they would have never heard before in the Middle Earth universe. I thought it would be fun. So yeah, just the idea of Chloe being a badass, but still just as, you know, equally adorable health. It really made me want to write write that. Well, I I thought Chloe's elf was adorable. She's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) And not being a fan of Lord of the Rings, I actually got into that thing. So that was good. Oh, that makes me happy. I was, it was challenging for me because I figured some people would have never seen the Lord of the Rings. So it must have been hard to follow, actually, because there's so many characters that are not part of, obviously, the Pitch Perfect fandom with all the original characters from Lord of the Rings. And, you know, following the story, because it's three movies that I fit into 20 chapters. <laughs> so obviously, I skipped over a lot of it. But yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it and gave it a shot because actually, yeah, a few people commented saying, I don't know Lord of the Rings at all, but I still gave it a try. And I'm like, that's so nice. I guess if I didn't know New Universe very well, I don't know if I would read it. I wouldn't think that I would be able to follow. So yeah, that's a great compliment for sure. It means that I've done my job right just to tell the intrigue well while working Bikloe into it. Definitely, yeah. And and I think that's one of the things I love about AUs. Like you said, it's the whole like, how are they going to work out in this particular scenario or this version of Chloe? And I am a sucker for like a good meet cute. And, you know, <laughs> the idea that Becca and Chloe will get together, irrespective of whatever universe it is, is fascinating. Yeah, exactly. It's going to happen. Whatever, wherever we are, whenever it's going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, it's just they have that power. It's exactly. Just... <laughs> yeah. So you're able to kind of go from stories that are pretty angsty, like, you know, like ones where Chloe dies. And they, I, one of your first stories that I saw on AO3 was a miscarriage story. I know. I don't know uh, what it is with me um, that I like <laughs> angst so much. Uh, I just love the, the softness that can come afterwards. Like, obviously, a miscarriage is tragic. But what I love the most about writing it is Bikloe finding each other again and just their love surviving such a traumatic event and just rising from it. So that's the most interesting thing to write for me, more so than the event itself. Yeah. Yeah. And it does kind of give you that little bit of hope that no matter what traumatic things I might go through, and I think, you know... These are things that people go through in their lives, like whether you have to experience a miscarriage or disabilities or death or something like that. And seeing these characters work through those situations and hopefully come out the other side and sort of give you hope that have been happened to you that you could overcome it as well. 
being able to see it in a fic and read it, I think it helps me sometimes to work through thoughts or emotions on a specific topic. Yeah, definitely. And but yeah, I, I agree. I've made them go through a lot in my different stories. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but then, so you're able to go sort of super angsty and then you'll do like a fluffy fic, like the TikTok one. I'm like, how on earth do you go from like this to this? <laughs> I don't know. Well, 2021, I've started a different system where I just focus on one fic for the whole week. I've never done that before. Before that, I would have 10 work in progress and I would just bounce from one to another, depending on my mood. So that TikTok thing was started in September. I published it in January because I had a burst of inspiration three days before publishing it. But yeah, it was started a while ago. And I still have work in progress that are dating back from, I don't know, two years. Sometimes maybe I'll finish it, maybe I won't. It just depends on the ideas I have for the story. But usually if I'm really into a plot or the prompt that I was just sent, I'll write it right away. If it's angsty and I feel super happy, that doesn't matter. I'll just manage to find the mindset to write it. The only exception is smut. I struggle to find the mindset to write smut because I don't know why it feels like running a marathon every time. <laughs> and every time I'm like, I'm done writing smut, but then I want to include it in the story. So I'll end up writing it again. It's just, it takes me so long to write a smart scene like even if it's if it's short i'm just gonna second guess everything so <laughs> uh, yeah that's the one thing i don't have a mindset for smart never <laughs> i like to read it writing it is a struggle clearly you need a whole other mindset for smart thing <laughs> i guess <laughs> so yeah <laughs> so when you write like especially multi-chapter stories or even i suppose a one-shot do you know what the ending is going to be before you start Multi-chapter, yes. Like when I started writing Outlander, I knew that Chloe would end up on Earth. Like the general ending, I know it. Like when I start writing it, I probably haven't figured out what the end scene is going to be. That's it. But I'll decide that when I write it. Like when I'm in the middle of it, I might have a, you know, a spur of inspiration. I'm like, oh, that's a good ending scene. Yeah, except the wrap-up line. It takes me forever to find it every time. <laughs> like, I'll have almost finished a fic and then I'm missing the, you know, the, I just want to go out with a bang. So the last line is very important to me. So I'll just reread through the whole fic, pause on that last line, close the doc, come back to it a good day later, and maybe hope for something. It's the same with titles. I never find my title beforehand. And every time I finish a fic, I'm like, my title. <laughs> and I hate choosing a title. So it takes me sometimes two hours. At first, I always wanted to only have one word titles. They come back fairly often, but I've given up. For some stories, I just can't <laughs> find something that <laughs> good that I like. Word, so yeah. <laughs> the other alternative is lyrics. That's, that's it. It's either one word titles or lyrics. I have no in between. Why is that? Why do you want to have like one words or lyrics? I just, I love the idea of it. It started with Petrichor. So the one where Chloe dies, because it's one word that says so many things. 
basically, I also have the Serendipity one in the Through the Lens series. So Serendipity is basically a happy coincidence. That's what it means. And then I can't remember the second installment is, okay, that's a French word. I think you don't have it in English. It's retrouvaille. And it's basically the happy feeling you get when you meet someone after not seeing them for a long time. See, it's just one word, but it means so many things. It stands for a feeling. I don't know how to explain it. But um, yeah, and then the third installment is Aeonian, which I can't remember, actually. I'm ashamed. I don't remember what it means. But it's kind of the same. I think it's happy ending or something. But yeah, it's the same idea. So I thought it was cool to keep going with my other stories. But yeah, I ran out of inspiration for that. So <laughs> the next alternative, like I said, is lyrics because it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> and so are the lyrics like from a song that remind you of the story or maybe inspired it or do they just like come to you? It's just that the title usually fits with what the story is about, basically. Well, the fic I published, When I See You Smile, is like the whole word stopped for a while. I actually don't like that title because I think it's really long. <laughs> And I'm not used to it, but it fit the story inside because basically Becca falls in love with Chloe at first sight. Well, she doesn't know it, of course, but she's like struck by her eyes. That's one of my headcanons is Becca's brain just stalls when she meets Chloe's eyes for the first time. And yeah, and it just start with this friendship and then that evolves into feelings and yeah. That's just, I, I feel like the title fit the story. And then like, it just makes you want to go and listen to and get all the feels yeah. from. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I actually have a, a song fic. So it's based on the lyrics. It's a prompt I was sent. It's Everglow by Coldplay. And the lyrics are so angsty. When I received the prompts, I tell you, I was rubbing my hands together in mischievousness. Is that the word? Mischievousness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's one of the words that I don't know how to pronounce, like many words. Hold on. Let me see if I can pull up the lyrics. When I look for lyrics for a title, I usually look up Ozier or Coldplay. Those are my two go-to uh, because I think they're very poetic. I think it's the first verse. It's like, oh, they say people come, say people go. This particular diamond was extra special and though you might be gone. And the world may not know, still I see you, celestial. So, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be a death fic. I don't know if it's going to be a breakup fic, but it's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to be angsty. I've never done a song fic before. But yeah, when I saw the prompt, I was like, okay, that definitely speaks to me. That's the fic you've already done or? No, it's, it's coming. Sitting. sitting. I okay. started it. I've started it and I'm just, like I said, waiting for a burst of inspiration. I'm stuck on something and sometimes it takes me months to get unstuck, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so watch this space. We know that there's an angsty one in the works somewhere. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when I'll publish it though. Maybe six months from now. Uh, I'm not putting any pressure on myself because, you know, I, I write for myself first and what I want to write. So I love that as well. Like I think especially with something, if you're creative or you have an, a creative outlet, a lot of it comes from yourself, first and foremost, yeah. you know, the inspiration you get, the desires you have to create something out of it. And then obviously, 
I, I enjoyed what you said earlier about the fact that once it's done, you want to share it. Yeah. You originally do it for yourself. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of weird because of that I lack perspective. Once a fic is done, I'm just like, are people going to enjoy it? Because I enjoyed writing it. But sometimes when I reread through it, I'm just like, this is boring. So my beta reader knows this, Snow One But You on Tumblr. I ask her all the time, is this boring? I send her the link and she's like, no, stop it. It's We're into this. Or even like halfway through the fic, I'm going to send it to her. And I'm like, is it worth continuing? And yeah, every time the answer is yes. But I just, yeah, I like that perspective from a reader point of view. Because obviously, like the single parent AU, I'm just, I love this. But I feel like maybe if I write too much of it, because I have like three more under my sleeve of single parents AU, I'm like, people are going to get bored of it. So I don't know if I'll write them. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice that when you're not sure that you have got somebody to go to and just oh, be like, man. does this work? Yes. Does this not work? I lack a lot of self-confidence and I'm always worried I write about love, but I've never been in love or I've never been in a relationship. So sometimes I'm like, is this realistic? Like, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no experience whatsoever, except crushes. <laughs> so every time I'm just self-conscious about that, I obviously want things to be relatable. And when I can't really say for myself, I like to have that extra boost of confidence when I send it to someone else before I publish it yeah and that can make a huge difference in just having someone just to kind of be like hey like this is good keep going like yeah. you've got this <laughs> yeah for the multi-chapter the pieces fic I am nervous every time I publish a chapter like really nervous because it deals with very serious subjects so I actually have three people reading it beforehand <laughs> because I just need that to make sure that, you know, it's progressing well. I don't want things to be rushed. I really wanted it to sound realistic. I just send it to three people and yeah, they usually tell me it's fine, but I like having that because otherwise it's just like you're waiting for the first comment, you know, sweating because <laughs> you don't know if it's good or not, or if people are going to say, why did you write it like that? Or I can imagine as well when you've got which do deal with more difficult subjects being able to send that to a few people first and just give you the reassurance that you've done a good job covering it can really help it's like a screening just to kind of check that yeah. it is working and that hopefully you're conveying the subjects as best as you can exactly yeah it helps a lot so we had a number of people like send in questions as well okay okay some of them are a bit random, but Beyonce <laughs> Chloe said, how be good? That's literally all she said. How be good? <laughs> yeah. in, as in writing? I'm assuming so. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just write. One thing is go with your gut. Like when I'm writing a scene, especially dialogue wise, if I feel like this sounds off or would I say this or would this character say this? Does it really fit their personality? Yeah, that's one of the things. Go with your guts. For the pieces fic, I'm not going to spoil anything for people who haven't read it yet, but there is a major plot twist in chapter seven. And when I got the idea, I was like, some people are going to hate it, but 
I just feel like it's going to be good in the end. Like, I feel like in my gut that it's it's a nice plot twist to me. And basically, when the idea was planted in my mind, I just couldn't ignore it. I had to write it. So screw it. But yeah, definitely go with your guts. And just write about things that you like. Otherwise, it's going to show if you're not enjoying what you're writing, I think. Mm. Yeah, and then the inspiration is not just not going to be there. So even if it's about, I don't know, just if you just want to write fluff, just write fluff. There will be people who read fluff anyway. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> after and reading your super angsty and story, yeah, with, yeah. <laughs> we also had Anastasia ninety three day by day love said, "How often do you get writer's block, and how do you overcome it?" I overcome it by starting something else. <laughs> which is not productive at all. <laughs> well, before that, before I had this system of focusing on one story a week, like I said, I had like 10 different work in progress started with most of them, no way of getting out of it. Like sometimes writing block is just a sentence and it's frustrating because I have to write in a linear way. I can't skip over a scene to get to the one I'm inspired for. So I have to face it. <laughs> no, usually when I have writer's block, I bounce ideas with someone, either with my beta reader or I have a few friends that I talk about my stories to. Um, and they usually have great advice. Bouncing ideas with someone is definitely a good way to, well, it depends on what type of writing block it is. Like if it's... You don't know where you want to take that next scene or you don't know what this character should say, you know. But yeah, definitely helps to have another opinion on it if you can. I like how you mentioned as well the fact that you find your writing has to go quite linear. Like everybody's writing is different and just understanding where your strengths are. And like you said, it could literally be a line and you've just got to work through yeah. this one line to carry on. On this fic that I published, A Batch Made in Heaven, I probably got stuck for an hour over Chloe's outfit, which is stupid, but I couldn't get past it because I had to have it worked out before I could move on to the rest of the scene. <laughs> so I spent an hour looking up fall outfits because it was in fall in New York. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose you can't always know as well when it's going to come and, and what could sort of just stop you progressing for a moment. Yeah. It could be the most randomest things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Also, Rebecca Mitchell said, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, which fic did you have the most fun writing? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know every single one of my fics by heart. I feel like I'm going to sound heartless if I say Petricor, which is the one where Chloe dies. I can't choose one. Definitely this one, Petricor. The Through the Lens series, because I really enjoyed dealing with the French culture in it. And Chloe speaking French was really fun. Yeah. Oh, then Fly Me to the Moon, Let Me Play Among the Stars. That's an AU, shocking, about the Chloe in the 60s. So the summary goes, Chloe lets her eyes run over the worn out leather jacket, slightly too big on her shoulders, her cotton white tee. Levi's jeans and black Chuck Taylor stops. Her first thought is that the girl comes across as confident, like she belongs here. Basically, Becca is part of a dancing group 
the troublemakers, actually. So she's with Benji, Jesse, Donald, and Stacy, I think. They all come to that bar that Chloe goes to because it's near the university campus. And they start this dance battle like they usually had during the 60s, where people would come around in a circle and people would dance in the middle. That's where she sees Becca for the first time and just his awestruck by her dancing moves. And Becca is very confident in this pic, which was nice and kind of a badass. And Chloe is a very, is a more of a quiet girl, always dressed nicely with probably very conservative parents. Well, especially in that period of time, who wouldn't support a same-sex relationship. So yeah, and Becca actually kind of makes her escape of that. And there's also, so the troublemakers are activists for the civil rights as well. So they march, they do sit-ins, and that's kind of a plot that I wanted to work in because I, I find it very interesting. That was a, a very different fic for me to write, and I really enjoyed it. And I listened to Rockabilly all the time when I wrote it how much time it took me but i was just listening to rock music from the 60s and it was great <laughs> some of the classics yeah 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 <laughs> so with regards to like obviously fake writing you put your fake out and then it's out there for people to see and then they can leave like comments and you can get feedback on it how do you find getting comments do you enjoy it is it stressful i think every author likes getting comments it's always nice to get feedback over something you spent time and energy creating. Yeah, comments are definitely a boost to my inspiration. Like having an email from AO3 of a comment is like a shot of serotonin. It's definitely a motivation to keep publishing and writing in general. So Lillian asked on Tumblr, what are the parts you appreciate most about feedback? What kind of feedback is helpful and makes your day? And how does feedback influence your writing process? She's the queen of feedback, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's one of the people I send my stories to, my chapters to, of pieces. And I'm always floored by everything she has to say. I'm like, are you sure you're reading the same thing as the stuff I send you? Because this sounds like a published author or something. <laughs> Feedback, no matter the length, is appreciated. I love when people specify the lines that they liked, the lines of dialogue or description, whatever. Yeah, their favorite moments in the fic. I love to read that or the little details because love details are very important to me. So it's nice when people notice. I always welcome constructive criticism, of course. It's nice to know what can be improved obviously how does like a negative or critique affect you is it something that you find hindering or does it help kind of motivate you forward <laughs> depends on the comments like i said constructive criticism is always welcome if it helps me improve my writing but comments that are just one word or insulting a character or i remember um, so I don't always write happy end fix. And one of them is Big Chloe waking up over the fact that Chloe wanted kids and Becca didn't. And basically they see each other maybe 10 years later. 
and Chloe has a daughter. They're in the supermarket. Anyway, and Becca is just, she's still not over it. She's still in love with Chloe. And yeah, but anyway, it's just that fact doesn't change that she doesn't want kids. And yeah, there's no happy, happy ending because Chloe has made her life with someone else uh, in the meantime. And one of the comments was, Chloe is a horror. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I didn't really take it personally with my, like, to my writing. Uh, but I mean, okay, sure. It's not the type of negative comments that's going to affect me because they're just not happy with the story. And, and then on the same story, someone commented, I love your writing, but I hated this. And then... So I was writing uh, the Through the Lens series at the time, and they said, I think you should follow up super quickly with the third installment of Through the Lens, as though I needed to hassle, like to stay in their good books. I'm like, no, I, I'm writing at my own rhythm. I just, I don't owe you anything. <laughs> but I rarely get negative comments just because I think when people are not happy with the fic, they just don't say anything. So yeah, but if I do, I try to focus on the positive ones, even if it's not always easy as I really like self-confidence. Yeah, I try. <laughs> yeah, I think speaking to a number of creators, I think that's where they have to find a good line with, say, a negative comment and how you react to it. Because like like you said, if you do something with a bad ending, like people are going to be emotional about it. They might react in the comments of how their heart's been ripped out or whatever, <laughs> like just kind of like you said, like it's not on you and your writing, but it's just their their reaction to the mm -hmm. story. And that's fine. Yeah. Especially with something like being an online creator, you just put it up for free and it's like there for anybody to kind of enjoy. It's not like it's you've been paid to write it or yeah, anything. Exactly. I and feel it's like, just, peop like people struggle to grasp that uh, sometimes. And it just made me want to take more time with the third installment of Through the Lands, <laughs> just out of spite. <laughs> no, not really. And, and the fact that, like, it doesn't have to affect your creativity or your writing, like, that's still yours. And so you work, irrespective of what people think of a story, like, you can work on, on your writing and what the next story is going to be and, mm -hmm. and keep loving the thing that you've, you're creating and, and the process. Also just wanted to delve into just a few fics because yep. you've done so many. First of all, I was just interested, Mend Your Soul, the first one on AO3, when you look at Suit Up, is that the first story you wrote of the Chloe? Uh, no. My first story was actually a multi-chapter that I only published on fanfiction.net because that, that was my main site. Like I didn't know AO3 back in the day. That makes me sound very old. So it was a multi-chapter about Chloe being in a abusive relationship and having lost contact with Becca. And then they meet each other again, maybe mm, seven, eight years later. And Becca actually helps her to get out of it. And I actually took it down because one, it was my first big Chloe story. And I think my writing has evolved in two years or three. So I wasn't really happy with the way it was written. And also, I actually thought about revisiting it to publish on AO3. And then I got the stripper story ID. And I was like, the stories are going to be similar. 
So it's more interesting to me to start a story from scratch than going through the 15 chapters of the old one. So yeah, that was my first story, but it's not available anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Is it quite cool for you though? Because you've been writing for like, what, three years? Yeah. In this fandom, obviously you've been writing longer than that, but like that you can sort of see the early work and see the progress that you've made maybe with the characters and how you understand them and like how your writing's progressed over the past three years. Yeah. I feel like that's also why I like this pick is Petricor. When I finished writing it, I feel like I, with this fic, I've reached another level, like writing level. And it was actually confirmed by one of the people commenting. She said, I saw how your writing improved with this fic. And that was two years ago. And that's when I reached a point I was like, okay, I'm really starting to grasp the characters and really appreciating every detail about their personalities and putting him putting that into my rating. So I was in Canada back at the time and my English also improved a lot, obviously, because I was in this English speaking part. So just speaking English all day with other people, obviously it showed in my rating that I was probably more comfortable. That's really cool, especially that you can pinpoint moments where maybe like you took on a challenge with, you know, like you said, with Petricor. Yeah. And really kind of got into it and saw a growth in your writing. Yeah, I finished it. I was like, okay, I'm proud of this work, which is rare (laughs) for me. And actually the response was really good. So that was really nice. So let's delve into Through the Lens series then, because that's like a big thing. (laughs) I know. (laughs) See, this this could have been a multi-chapter because it's so long. Well, it is a a (laughs) multi-chapter technically, but the first installment, I think it's 30K or something. And I just kept writing. Yeah, that was inspired by a fic from One Tree Hill where the two characters are both from the US and they meet in another country during a holiday. I think they meet in Italy. And I kind of like the romance behind it being in a different country, even though it's Chloe's in the fic, uh, basically. But yeah, I really like the whirlwind romance kind of thing. And just knowing that they're going to be separated at some point because Chloe lives in France and Becca obviously lives back in, back in the States. I was going to say, somebody actually asked, Gimas asked what inspired you to write the series. So it was that fic from One yes. Tree Hill. Yeah, and I also had been wanting to work the French culture in a fic. So not that I'm specifically proud of my culture, I don't know. I just, yes, I like to include French, definitely the language. The culture, I mean, sure. But I think it's cool when characters speak a foreign language for some reason. That fic that I read, that I remember reading because I haven't read One Trail fics in a while. It just stuck with me, I guess. Um, yeah, I thought I can definitely picture with Chloe in that kind of scenario. With a, with a series like that, did you know that you were going to have more than one fic I, with it? Or did it just start with the one and then just pick up? I figured I would write a second part, depending on, you know, if people were interested in it. And as soon as I saw the first comments, I was like, okay, I'm going to need to write a second part to this. <laughs> I loved 
writing that series, even though, like I said, I've never been in a relationship and long distance relationship even less. So it was challenging to make it realistic, I guess. And just finding the right balance between angst and fluff and softness. Obviously, you don't want to like suffocate the readers with never ending angst. One of those stories where you have to find a good balance. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> Was it fun incorporating like France and, and like you said, the French language into the fic? Yeah. So the funny thing is I don't know Paris very well. I've been there three times to take the plane. I live about six hours by car, so I just don't go there. It's big. So many people. So I actually spent a lot of time Googling the cool places in Paris but yeah, the French culture, definitely. I knew more about that, obviously. The food, the wine, and the language. I just loved writing Chloe speaking French. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't find French sexy. I'm told a lot of people do. I don't really see it. But according to the comments, it's very sexy. So I'm like, great. <laughs> that works for you. Okay, so moving on then to Outlander... We had another question by Igamas who wanted to know what was more difficult to write, the Lord of the Rings AU or the Long Distance AU? Oh, definitely Outlander. Really? Yeah. So draining because there were a lot of fights to write out. That's something I'd never done before. And a lot of vocabulary I didn't know either in French or English. So I was just like, how do you say this? I have no idea. So a lot of searching. And so you're not familiar with Lord of the Rings, right? I know a little bit about okay. it. Okay. But there's this famous battle scene, which is Helm's Deep. And I think they took six months to shoot it. Wow. Just the battle scene. Yeah. It's still one of the best scenes in cinema, if you ask me. But uh, that's just my opinion. But anyway, I watched the YouTube video. It's probably 15 minutes long. And just like picking out details, like, yes, I want to include that. And just going back to it because it was a lot to write. And I think I took a break right after writing that chapter. I needed a break from all the fantasy and swords and yeah, orcs, all that stuff. Um, <laughs> because yeah, it was just very difficult vocabulary-wise and description-wise because I wanted it to flow not to be too heavy because battle scenes can be heavy with words. I think I have a writing style where I try to say a lot with not so many words, more than going into lengthy descriptions, which is fine too. I mean, that's just my style. So yeah, finding that balance to write out the fight scene was tricky. I can imagine as well when you are in a fandom where a lot of it is romance, yeah. <laughs> or angst in some form or another, delving into the you have to write an action sequence yeah. is quite a daunting prospect. Yeah, and that's why I was so glad that Becca was the foreigner in this world because she could be the, the comic relief because she would just, like her narrative and just the words that she would blurt out, like, I'm definitely going to die, this is it, uh, or that sort of stuff. Yeah, that was fun and brought a little bit of levity to, you know, the battle scene, the intensity. And... Awesome. I love it. That's <laughs> great. 
Under the Bridge is an interesting story. Lots of research. Yeah, because you've got a homeless Becca and Chloe, who works in the hospital. With a story like that, they did involve quite a lot of research, like from both sides. Yeah, uh, mostly like the effects of drugs, like what kind of mood it would trigger and how Becca could react, all that stuff, because I've also never been a drug addict, thankfully. So obviously, lots of testimonies that I read online, and even from the doctor point of view, well, I'm not a doctor, so (laughs) you want to make it as realistic as possible. But I, I think I must have put the disclaimer, I'm not a doctor, sorry if there is any thing that sounds weird. Definitely a lot of research. But that was a cool fic to write because it was very different. And I actually liked that Becca because she was very closed off on herself and she didn't trust anyone. And Chloe is just Chloe and she makes everything better. I think that thing's quite interesting because number one, you've got the great kind of beginning of the meet cute where they kind of hate each other a little bit. Like it doesn't go down that well. Like. Yeah. I remember I had a beta reader at the very start of me writing fic. And I remember her telling me, oh, I thought it was going to be a Grey's Anatomy meet cute. And I was like, oh, this is going to be kind of boring. And then she was like, no, I like when I got to the end or the middle, I was like, okay, I'm into this. That's great. Because like, I think often as well, you don't see it where they don't get on well. Like it's often quite, you know, that they kind of match quite well. And so having them have this kind of grating at the beginning, which you did recently in the car accident fix as well. That was so much fun. I can imagine it being a lot of fun to write them (laughs) just like knocking heads. Yeah, I rarely write them as not liking each other. Like enemies to lovers. I think that was the only one. And then, of course, under the bridge but that was more of a circumstance kind of hate than personality. Trouble and temper, you just go at each other all the time. And uh, that was fun, definitely. What I think is quite interesting with Under the Bridge is that you've got a character like Chloe, which you can see her being a doctor, and then you give her a number of like ethical choices that she's Mm got to make. Like It's quite painful to read because you're just like, I don't know how I would react in that situation. And you feel like so sorry for her just seeing Chloe Beale having to deal with this kind of what's the right thing to do. Yeah. And again, I think it fits her character just to put someone that she loves because let's face it, she had feelings for Becca and she cared deeply about her at that point. Putting her first in front of her career, I don't know, I felt like it fit her personality especially when it's it's a question of death or living because without that medicine Becca would have died so you know it was I guess an easy choice at the moment to make of course she suffered the consequences later it's so interesting yeah and um I mean we could delve into so many fics you've got so many up online it's so hard to just pick a few out um (laughs) obviously you working on pieces right now Where did the inspiration come for that story? Or is it something you kind of... Again, it's another thing. I actually couldn't find it. I don't even know what fandom it was from. Either One Tree Hill, Glee, maybe something else, because I've delved into other fandoms a little bit. I think the character was a guy. And he saw this woman, a friend of his, or an ex-girlfriend, I can't remember. 
and he sees her for the first time in a while in a strip club and then just pays for lap dance to talk to her. That's all I remembered. I was like, okay, I can see B. Chloe in that plot. So with just those two scenes that I remembered about, I then started my own thing. It's amazing that it was just like those two scenes that you kind of caught on to and then you have now got this whole multi-chapter story that's coming out that's for Chloe. Yeah, I I write as I go. So sometimes I'm just like, eh, I should have put that in in the previous chapters because now I'm having a problem. It hasn't happened yet, but <laughs> I think it has in Outlander or another multi-chapter, I can't remember. But I sometimes I'm like, oops. <laughs> and just have to work around it and yeah do you know how it's going to end pieces yes yes yeah what i have the epilogue already planned out in my head and i'm really looking forward to writing it but there's a lot of work <laughs> in between <laughs> obviously that's the thing there's scenes that i like i'm really looking forward to but it's impossible for me to skip to them because i'm not going to appreciate it as much if i haven't done all the work that leads to it first you know so there's a lot to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> Random question. Green-Eyed Weirdo wanted to know if you still had your Phoenix story up mm. online. That's the one that I talked about. The very first one. Very first one. Yes. Of Chloe in an abusive relationship. I didn't know people actually like remembered about that one. <laughs> I do still have it. So... She can contact me or they can contact me if they want it. I can send it to them. Okay. I just so don't want to have it that was the first up. one? Yeah. I oh, wow. There's a lot of similarities. Not lines or anything like that or scenes, but just like the whole atmosphere is very similar. So I just didn't really find it interesting having them both up, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I can I definitely know. send it to them if they want. Okay. Yeah, just shoot me a message on Tumblr and... There you go, you heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you, like, taking the time to speak to me. Just, like, I mean, we've, been, we've been chatting for a good, like, hour and a bit. Just as we sort of come to, like, a close, do you read fan fiction yourself? Obviously, you've read a lot. I do. Not as much as before, because I spend a lot of time writing. But I do try to read a few a week. Uh, sometimes I do this uh, Spotlight Saturday thing where I just link the fix that I enjoy, like you do in your podcasts. But I haven't done it the past two weekends because I haven't taken the time to read. So yeah, not as much as I would like to, let's say. Yeah. So obviously, like there are so many fix in the Bakari fandom or even yes. the Pitch Perfect fandom. Is there a story out there that you were like, man, I wish I wrote this one? Yes, I have it here. Um, it's an old one. It was published in 2012. Wow. So just when it came out, the, when the movie came out, I think it's only up on fanfiction.net. It's called Love and Baseball, and then between brackets, Baseball in Love. So the summary is, Tom doesn't sing, Chloe doesn't like baseball, it's doomed from the beginning. So it's... Chloe happening under the point of view of Tom, so the friends with benefits of Chloe's. So basically, Tom and Chloe have the friends with benefits thing going on. And then Chloe is starting to show interest in that girl. And it's not dramatic or anything. 
it's not angsty. Tom is actually a great character in it. And I just love to read stuff where Bicloe is happening from a third point of view. I feel like it's different. It's original, especially Tom. Like I've seen a couple or a few fics that have Jesse being the witness of Bicloe happening. But obviously it being Jesse brings a lot of jealousy and that stuff. Um, so that one was really good. It has 86 reviews on fanfiction.net for one chapter. So I think people have enjoyed it thoroughly. Who wrote that one? The name is Ghost and You Know This. It's yeah. fascinating to see like what fix kind of influenced people and like what they enjoy reading and like the stories that you were just like, man, this is such an amazing idea that somebody like came up with. Yeah. And the writing is just so amazing. So yeah, definitely check it out. There's like other fics that I like, but this one, it's one of the first fics that I read from the fandom and kind of pulled me into it. So I owe it a lot. <laughs> I know which stories were like the ones I first read and they do stay with you. You're just like so thankful that that was Definitely. the story that hooked you in. Definitely. Out of your own fics though, because you have so many, which story do you feel was the most underrated that you feel more people would read? I'm actually pretty happy with the response. More than pretty happy, actually. <laughs> For some stories, I'm just floored. Like I, the first chapter of pieces, I was like, I had about 35 comments. I was, uh, yeah, I was speechless because I didn't expect that much interest. I think maybe there's one that I wish would have had more response just because I had so much fun writing it. I was pretty proud of it. It's called The One with the Girl Next Door. It's where Bicloia are neighbors, like across the hall. It's It has heavy flirting, useless gay Becca, pretty <laughs> much my favorite things. I just I love, love to write Becca as just useless, like non-functioning when it comes to Chloe, at first at least. This sounds fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I published that a year and a half ago, I think. There you go, check it out. That's <laughs> it. Well, thank sure. you so, so much for like taking the time to thank speak you to for me today. Me. I really appreciate it. If people wanted to like check out your work, where can they go? Where can they sort of check you out? Um, so I have the same username everywhere. So that's simple. It's suit up, suit, and then three use P. AO3 Tumblr, fanfiction.net if you want. But I've stopped publishing on fanfiction.net a while ago. So yeah, AO3 Tumblr mostly. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. In our fan fiction highlights this week, starting off with a fic called Jealous by a sweet melody trickling. The synopsis says five different points of view of Jesse and Becca's breakup. Interesting. This is a really interesting collection of stories. It is about five chapters, all telling the story of Jesse and Becca's breakup, but from different points of view. So you've got Jesse's point of view, and then it, it goes to Becca's, and then you've also got likes of Aubrey and Amy, and finally Chloe. But it's not all telling exactly the same part of the story. It's really interesting because you start off 
with Jesse's points of view and you get his telling of what happened with their relationship and it all transpires that Becca got pregnant and they were trying to do a long distance relationship and a lot of things just weren't working out some characters made mistakes and just things just didn't work Jesse eventually moves to New York and there's a lot of like things that just don't work out that build up to the breakup of Becca and Jesse. Whoever's fault it is, I'm going to leave that up to you. Obviously, you can find out in the story. But it's really interesting that it starts off with Jesse's point of view because it kind of sets this telling of his point of view of the whole situation. And that's kind of where you pick it up from. There's clearly the breakup wasn't the best. He's not in the best frame of mind with some of the things going on. And it's kind of him going to pick up his kid from Becca's apartment. And there's some underlying, like, little things going on. Because you're getting it from Jesse's point of view as well, he's seeing Chloe there and, and making assumptions and getting quite nasty. And kind of reading into what's happened with him and Becca and seeing Becca with potentially somebody else. And he's not quite sure how he feels with other people being involved in his kid's life. And like all of these are swirling around in his head as this story is playing out. So you get to read the first chapter. And I remember when the first chapter was released, that's all you had for a little while before you then got another point of view. And it was interesting that the next point of view was Becca's. So after reading Jesse's kind of jealousy and upset with how he feels he hasn't been treated right, you suddenly get Becca's point of view and then like your opinion of the whole situation just flips. It's so interesting. And I found that when you were reading each different person's point of view, that it would add another layer to the whole situation. And maybe one way you were thinking about it like this, and then it completely changed when you got another person's perspective. It just really showed as well just how slanted different people's perspectives were about the same thing. And it was so interesting because as you read through it, you get to piece everything together. It's not necessarily a completely linear story where like each chapter is the next section of the story. It just builds on all of these different perspectives, giving a little insight to a moment of these characters' lives. And it's so clever how it built up because... Obviously, Jesse only plays one part of that. A lot of this is based around Becca, but also Chloe and Chloe's perspective in this whole situation. And it starts off with Jesse's point of view, assuming or accusing Becca and Chloe of being together. And then as the story gets out, you kind of get the complexity of Becca and Chloe's relationship and are they or aren't they together and how it plays out. And then, of course, that adds a whole little layer when you get Amy's point of view and Aubrey's point of view because they can only talk from their perspective they can't talk from Becca or Chloe of how they're feeling and so you just read into all these little things and I thought it was so clever that it ended with Chloe's point of view by the end of the whole collection of stories you get that finality from Chloe and I think that's what the story really needed was Chloe's perspective it was so clever a completely refreshing take on a story and, and a way of storytelling. It was so interesting. If you want to check that out, it is available on Tumblr. Just look for a Sweet Melody Trickling and she usually has all of her fix up there that you can check out. The next story in our highlights this week is a Stalbury story called 
Do you know how fast you were going by 22 underscore Thai and please act surprised? This story is available on AO3 and the summary says Dr. Conrad has a lead foot, which leads her to meet Detective Posen in the worst of situations. Luckily, Posen is better at her job than Conrad is at controlling her speed or herself. So this is a multi-chapter story. I was really drawn into it just from the first chapter of the playfulness between Stacy and Aubrey. And I've not really seen Aubrey that often in like a police role, but she fits it so well. I've like read the odd story where she's a police officer or a chief or something. But to be able to kind of delve into her perspective in this detective role a little bit more was a lot of fun. The kind of stiffness and rigidity of Aubrey Pose and stickball to the rules and being someone who would enforce the rules as well kind of suited her quite well. And I quite like the fact that she's got through the ranks of the police force to become a detective and... She finds herself in a position where she's kind of having to do a bit of grunt work that she really doesn't want to do, but she's faithfully doing it anyway because she's Aubrey Posen of doing the speed checks. And so she's doing this on the side of the road and ends up stopping this motorcyclist who happens to be Stacey Conrad. And you get this fun play, especially in the first chapter, just bringing you into the story of... The difference between Aubrey and Stacy. Aubrey obviously wanting to enforce the rules and keep everything very by the book and how it should be, and being slightly thrown off because of her attraction to Stacy Conrad. And I love that that it isn't necessary that Stacy has to do anything specifically. It's just the way she looks that she throws Aubrey off and I love the fact that you then see Aubrey trying to reel herself back in, almost freaking herself out because she's not used to reacting in this type of way and kind of chastising herself for not being professional enough and really trying to control herself around Stacey and Stacey being quite the astute person, especially when it comes to things like other people and behaviours and, and relationships and that type of thing. She's able to read those little cues quite well. You also get a little insight into Stacy and how she's feeling attracted to this detective or police officer that's pulled her over. And also then reading the cues that, wait, I think she's checking me out. Like, should I, should I do something about this? So after their first meeting and, and Aubrey, although she feels like she should have issued a ticket, doesn't because she doesn't quite understand why she didn't. And she's kind of chastising herself for being caught up in this whole situation. You then find that she has to pull Stacey over again. And another time after that. And it ends up that Stacey is kind of playing into this whole idea of, I think this police officer likes me. I like them. And I definitely can see Stacey being the type of person who would be very willing to put herself out there and put herself on the line. And the interesting thing with Aubrey is the fact that I think because she's so controlled, that can either play for her or against her. And it can throw Stacey off because while she'd be used to people kind of eating up what she does and the chances that she takes to 
show her interest it can either work or not work with Aubrey sometimes maybe it backfires or or maybe Aubrey doesn't quite get it but she might get it a little bit later on so like all of these things are playing out and that's just in the first chapter that kind of set this scene and then as you go through the rest of the story the it kind of surprised me because originally I was like thinking this was going to be quite a short story of a fun like situation with Stacey constantly getting pulled over and flirting with this police officer becomes this whole deeper story of this underlying case that involves Stacey and somebody breaking into a house and all this stuff happening at the lab and Aubrey then finds herself being a detective on this case that involves Stacey and potentially like looking after and making sure she's safe and this situation getting bigger and bigger and more deeply intertwined as it goes on and then alongside of that not only do you have this whole case that she's trying to unravel and make sure that nothing bad happens but exploring her relationship with Stacey and beginnings of dating and stuff like that I will warn you this is a mature fic so there is a little bit of uh, mature content I really love the way that through the story they really leaned into these character traits that Aubrey and Stacey have and maybe how they worked for them or against them not only in doing their job but also in dating one example of that was when they were kind of first starting out they'd had like their first date and then Aubrey goes to work and she just forgets to reply to a message that Stacey had sent. She gets so involved in her work that it just slipped her mind and how upset Stacey felt with the whole situation. I can totally see Aubrey getting to the point where she just loses herself in her work and just forgets other people in her life and that was like a stepping stone for her to kind of get through and like all these little things that you see them developing as the story plays out is very insightful and very interesting and also just some fun bits in there as well of course you would have that with somebody like Stacey and Aubrey just playing off each other so it was a lot of fun and it was also just with this underlying detective case one can try and unravel the mystery at the end of the fic as well the last story in this week's highlights is Life's Batter With You by Someone Stupid. On AO3, the summary says, Chloe, it's going to be fine. How, Becca? Because unless you're secretly an amazing baker, I don't see how this is going to work out. Becca rolled her lips and avoided eye contact with Chloe. Chloe immediately sat up. Oh my god, oh my god, are you secretly an amazing baker? Or, Becca's secretly good at baking, and Chloe very much is not. Can I just say, when I saw this fic, I was already sold on the title. I mean, some people might not like puns, I loved it. Life's batter with you? Come on, that was awesome. Loved it. It's great. <laughs> and this is a one-shot story, but it was just so much fun to read. The premise is, is that Chloe and Becca live together. Chloe's a teacher and she's got their first bake sale and she signed up to take part, even though she's terrible at baking. I found myself feeling really sorry for Chloe because it sounds like through her life, she's tried to be involved with baking, maybe when she was growing up as a kid or think maybe even in the Bella's house. But 
because she always messed it up, she just ended up not being allowed to be involved in baking. <laughs> so she's never really kind of got to appreciate that or enjoy it. She's always just been branded as this bad baker. Don't touch anything in the kitchen, Chloe. So I love this whole idea that poor Chloe Beale just wasn't allowed to bake. Like, <laughs> Becca having this secret that she's never let out. Like, they've been living together in the Bella's house. They've known each other for a good four or so years at this point. And that never at any point has Becca shared this information with Chloe. So when it does come out, it's... You can imagine Chloe's excitement, but also shock at never actually knowing this side of Becca's per like Becca's abilities. So it's so interesting how this all plays out. It's just a really fun little story. There's a lot of like cute moments in there. But also like what I found really endearing was you have all these cute Becca and Chloe moments of Becca teaching Chloe how to bake as well. Like nobody's given Chloe the time of day to teach her how to bake something. So you get to have Becca teaching Chloe this cute little thing and they, they're baking together. But at the same time, you also get these really sweet moments where Becca feels like she can open up to Chloe about her history, about her past, her love of baking and, and where that all came from that she probably wouldn't have shared with anybody else. And it's only because Chloe makes Becca feel so comfortable enough to do that. And I loved that. I loved that there was this whole other layer to the story that I wasn't expecting. And you get this like lovely flirty-esque kind of relationship between Becca and Chloe as they're baking. And also just these little moments that just prove how bad Chloe is. Not, I think not only at baking, but cooking in general. Like, there's these points in the story where Becca's like, can you get the bowls out? And Chloe just stood in the kitchen like, I have no idea where anything is in this kitchen, even though I've lived here from the beginning. And there's also this kind of little bit of those feelings that you know is going to be in a Chloe story. Like, you're just waiting for it to be there, of them liking each other, but not saying too much, and how this story just kind of unravels. And there's some really, really sweet moments in there, just like... Oh, it's so fluffy. It did make me want to go back and eat a cake after I read it. So I'm just warning you, if you read this story, you might want some cake. Also, just seeing this like sweeter side of Becca, you often associate Becca with this kind of cool, suave, like music person, but having this whole other side to her, maybe a little bit more on the domestic side. And the whole idea that she's providing something to help Chloe out with work when she's working with kids, it was just like, oh, I loved it. So good. Those are my fix for the week. Thank you so much for listening. Especially thank you to Suta for joining me and talking about her fix for the podcast. I just love learning from creators and just delving in a little bit deeper into their work. If there's anybody you would like me to, to chat to on the podcast, you can let me know. Of course, we're also all on our social medias. You can contact us. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. And of course, we also have our Ko-Fi account now as well, where you can support the podcast. Just look for Pitch Slapped. And I'll see you next time, pitches.